A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello listeners and welcome to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Today, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce somebody I actually really do um, know and call a very close friend. I've known this gentleman for a few years, a good few years, and time's a great leveller, isn't it, listeners? It shows people, you know, in times of thick and thin, what they're really made of. And that's why I say it's my absolute pleasure to introduce Stephen Town. Stephen, a very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for having me on your podcast channel. What we thought we'd talk about, listeners, is that there's a certain book coming out, or there is it certainly at the time of this conversation, um, called Speaking From Our Hearts, Volume 6. And the subtitle of that particular book is called Embracing Uncertainty. And Stephen's got a chapter in that book, and he's called it Finally Getting It. So there's a couple of things there to start us off, Stephen. Firstly, embracing uncertainty. Any general thoughts around that? Yeah, I, I, I think, well, I'll form the trap now of saying I think on behalf of the whole population of the planet, um, we do that and we shouldn't do it. We only think what we think. Um, difficult in, 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 in accepting things that have an out, uncertain outcome. It depends on the way you're put together. Um, it depends on your training and your profession, perhaps. Um, and as an accountant, um, practicing accountant for most of my life, there has to be some certainty in every outcome. Uh, you can't go into things not having a clue what the end result is going to look like or what the end position is going to be. So I guess I've probably struggled more than the average person um, in, in accepting that you go into something not quite sure what's going to be the result as, you know, at, the, at the end of the day. So it's difficult. But I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm learning how to do it and I'm applying it more and more in my home life and, and my work life. So, yeah, mm. that's where I am on that one. Yeah. Just picking up on that note, listeners, what Stephen said, I think it was Louise Hay when she said, if, if everything's not OK, he's not ended yet. So it is that voyage of discovery. And I think that brings in that F word, Stephen, does it not? Faith to, you know, to kind of know somewhere within us that, Whatever's going off, even when I had an all around, um, you know, a losing girls. Was that Thomas Hardy that said that? No, it wasn't Thomas. Was it Kipling? Kipling. Kipling, Kipling wasn't it? Yeah. I always say yeah. Thomas Hardy. Anyway, yeah. um, you know, to have that faith to know, I don't know how, but I know this is going to be okay in the end. That, yeah, don't, don't, to, be, don't, to be fair, Paul, on that one, you're right. I mean, it makes me think of something else. I mean, I, I've run my business now for more than a decade and I've had staff you know um a dozen or, or so staff for most of the last seven or eight years um and i've had a vat bill to pay every quarter for the last um 10 or so years and coming into within two or three weeks of when i've got to pay the wages i panic for a couple of hours because i've got absolutely no visibility of how on earth i'm going to manage to pay them but that's when some of the faith comes in because i've never ever failed to get the money from somewhere to pay the wages and to pay the VAT bill. Um, it's not a best way to live your life or your business life because there's an awful lot of um, 
waking up in the middle of the night until the faith takes over. But it always happens. And I've always been the same in my professional life when I've had to get work done by a deadline. I always tell myself there's 168 hours in the week. Um, I only start to panic when there's 169 hours worth of work to do. And it's physically impossible to do it. And I make sure that never happens. So I do have faith in that sense. But um, I still like to know what the game plan is and what the end purpose is. Um, maybe we'll come on to some examples later. Hmm. So there's a couple of things. Firstly, picking up on that, Fred, that's the need for certainty. Hold that thought, Stephen. But uh, I quip that actually as an accountant, if there's 169 hours worth of work and there's only 168 available, nobody's better placed than you to juggle those numbers, surely. <laughs> yeah, well, not, not, not materially misstated anyway. Yeah, yeah, fair dues, fair dues. <laughs> Just going on to that point, Stephen, there about what, um, what you alluded to at the uh, towards the end there. The six human needs, my terminology, not yours, or actually Tony Robbins's terminology, um, that need for certainty. Boy, do we have that as human beings, don't we? That is, would it be fair to say that the one thing that we crave more than anything, and here's me making a general statement now, is that need for certainty, brackets, control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, control something. I've been accused of being a control freak in the past. Um, yeah, I absolutely definitely need to have an element of control in my life or to know that someone else is controlling what I'm doing, um, you know, so that I'm not part of a, a group that's just meandering in one direction or the other. Um, I, I need to know that someone at least has got some sort of vision or game plan. Um, I, otherwise I do struggle. And again, you know, we, we may or may not come back to it, but I've struggled with one or two things I've done with you um, on that basis. I'm, I'm struggling one or two things in my professional life at the moment because of that exact point. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. In other words, you're finally getting it. I'm finally getting it. Am I getting on elderly age? It's about time I stopped worrying about things I can't always control. Um, and accept that, you know what, you don't need to control everything. And it really is liberating to get involved in something. Sometimes I think most of us, I'm doing it again, speaking on behalf of everybody, do it when we go on holiday. Let's just go with the flow and see what happens. Um, and I've started to enjoy that. Apart from the last 18 months when there's been no holidays at all, I've started to enjoy holidays a lot more with, with my wife going away, just with no plan whatsoever, apart from take a book and just go with the flow and it's very liberating mm. you bring in the good lady there um Stephen Allison um I've met said good lady in the past and I single her out at this stage because you've actually made great reference to her in your chapter in the book haven't you yeah I have I have she, she, she's, she's been a she's been a guiding light along as all the other words I might use um but you know guiding light she's um She's taught me things without trying to teach me things just by being with me and observing how she behaves and, you know, what's important and what's not important and, you know, um, and, and, and ludicrously supportive as well. So, you know, nothing massively critical at the moment, but, or, you know, in, in the last 10 or 12 years, but if anything goes wrong, you know what, carry on, you know, get it right next time, you know, so there's no, there's no cliff edge with, with Alison that if you get something wrong, she doesn't, be disappointed she's never ever sulks I've never met anyone 
in my life who, who doesn't sulk about anything ever. Possibly exception of you as well, Paul. But I, I don't spend as many hours with you as I do with Alison. But no, to just brush yourself down, carry on. You know, was it that important anyway? Why on earth are we worrying about it? You know, something's gone wrong. Look around you. No one's noticed. No one cares. No one's interested. You know, so stop being so worried yourself, Stephen, because it doesn't really matter. We'll get by. You know, mm. and we had times in the past early days in the in our marriage when, you know, we, we had no money and we had no food. And we used to have a bit of a running joke that if I came back from the office uh, with a bunch of flowers, um, she knew that was the last £8.99 we had to our name. Um, and if we couldn't eat anything, we'd have to eat some of the flowers. But we had absolutely nothing <laughs> left. And she never went, oh, dear, don't buy flowers, you idiot. You know, we could have bought a loaf of bread and, and some marmalade with that. She, she put the flowers in the vase and we had a damn good laugh about it. And then hoped and prayed that someone paid us the next day. So I didn't have to bring flowers home again, you know, mm. and it, you know, literally the last pennies we had to our name in the world, including any credit and any overdrafts, everything gone, I had eight quid left, I, I found some flowers for 7 99 and there's the penny. And she's laughed about it all the years, even when in the middle of it, when we were suffering from it. And it, it, it's, it's brilliant to have someone like that in your life. I was just thinking, uh, I mean, this was in my mind, listeners, under the banner of humour. Stephen, tell me that seven ninety nine flowers is that claimable back on your annual return? Um, I, I, I think it probably was. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. For, for, for the for the record, Paul, and for people listening, no, um, I never claim anything back that isn't absolutely allowable. Honest, you can turn the recording back on now, Paul. That's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. So finally, getting it. I mean, you know, I've. I've read the chapter, Stephen. It's brilliant. I love the simplicity of the power of it because I think it speaks to so many people. You know, and if, you know, you know that old saying, kind of less is more. Um, you know, it's not a chapter that, um, you know, goes on for thousands and thousands of words, but it doesn't need to, does it? It's kind of really, I found it really punchy, really powerful, really earthy and concise. I mean, how did you find it writing it, Steve? Did you, you know, I often hear uh, writers say the experience was cathartic. What was the experience like for you? I absolutely loved doing it. Um, and although I'd, I'd, well, to be honest, I mean, you've been asking me and inviting me for over two years to, to, to you know, to contribute and, and submit a chapter. And I kept telling you I'm doing it and I'm going to sit down this afternoon and then I forgot all about it and I've given it absolutely no thought. And then literally yesterday morning, I thought, right, sit down now, Stephen, and start writing something. And an hour and a half later, I'd done it. And it all came straight from straight from my head into my keys keyboard. And I didn't have to think about anything apart from going back and changing a few typos. Um, it's actually current. I don't know if you want me to talk at all about the content of it, but a lot of it's current and it, it touches on the uncertainty thing again about trying to understand and you know, I don't need to have a certain outcome for the exercise I'm currently engaged with uh, with yourself and, and some of your colleagues or our colleagues. Um, some of it was historic and I've carried that baggage in my head for 10 or 12 years. But yeah, I, I, I really loved it. And for anyone else listening, um, if, you know, well, two things. If Paul ever says, do you fancy writing a chapter? absolutely do it it isn't a it isn't hard work it isn't a task it's an enjoyable couple of hours or as long as you want to spend um 
and cathartic is is is, is a, a, a blinking good word for it, Paul. Um, it's also uh, you know say to anybody. Um, I remember my dad, who's now you know no longer with us, sadly. Um, he started putting together some thoughts about an autobiography. Uh, regrettably, I have the five sheets of handwritten paper in my top drawer in my bedroom, uh, which is as far as he ever got. Um, he enjoyed doing it, and I wish to God, literally, it had done more and written more, because um, I know he enjoyed writing it, and then, you know, he, he got too ill to carry on writing in, at the end. Um, but I'd advise anybody, yeah, sit down and write 2,000 words about yourself, about something. It's good fun. Mm. You uh, alluded there, Stephen, about, um, you know, maybe just giving us a, a whistle stopper, you know, an overview of your chapter, because it's well worth listening to. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, it, it, I mean, without dwelling on it, because I've promised my, my wife I don't dwell on this ever more at all ever again, but I got divorced 12, 13 years ago, and it was a very, very horrible experience, in part because I was something of a control freak. So to find I was about the only person or the last person in West Yorkshire uh, to find out that my wife was going to leave me uh, with my best friend and had been planning it to the nth degree uh, for months when I thought I had some sort of control over my future and my family and everything else. And it turned out I didn't even have a lump, even a lump of sand um, to, to stand on. Um, it took a long time to get over that. And Alison literally saved me in any way you want to you want to define the idea of someone saving someone else. Absolutely did. Um, the, the chapter actually goes on mainly in terms of the current thing to talk about the um, World Game Changers um, initiative that, that I'm engaged with, with yourself, Paul, and, and, and a lot of our colleagues now, and, and my struggle for the six months or so I've been engaged to to try to understand where we're trying to get to and having known you for years and some of the things you've been doing and for anyone who doesn't already know, you know, Paul's endless and boundless enthusiasm and generosity to everybody is a joy to behold, but trying to understand previously, you know, where exactly you're trying to get to Paul and, you know, never mind, are you going to make any money yourself, but you know, how are you going to make a difference rather than flapping around working every hour God sends to try to make a difference and I didn't get it and I didn't get world game changes in terms of it's going to encourage us all to, you know, be better people. But how is that going to dig a well in Africa for people to get water out of? And I didn't get it. And then I suddenly found three or four weeks ago that I'd um, joined my local parish council as a councillor, having been a typical, again, doing it again, not everyone's typical of this, angry middle-aged man at how useless councils are I thought Stephen join the council then make a difference do something to give something back to help other people who are trying to run the council and who knows give better value to the the population and I've done it and I am doing it and I'm loving it um, and so I finally get it because without the involvement with Paul with yourself Paul and with God Game Changers I wouldn't have put myself forward so that at least that's my way of getting it. If that's not anyone else's shared getting it, then I don't mind or care because I've got something and, you know, and I've, I've understood it. There is some benefit in all the stuff you've been talking about for months and years to me. I finally see the light and, yeah, I can now start doing stuff more than I have been doing. And I like to think I've been doing things anyway. Um, but, yeah, start doing something over and above just to help other people. Loving mm. it. It's um, it's almost that proverbial cliche, Stephen, is it, it, isn't it? If you can help one person, then it's all worthwhile. 
I mean, yeah. certainly with the aspirations that we've got within WGC, um, you know, we're aspiring for, you know, more than one person. We're aspiring for one world. Um, and we're making inroads, you know, at various corners. Uh, I was in May West who said, but you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> um, anyway, we yeah. digress. Um, there's a humorous, I mentioned the word humor, Stephen, two or three times already. There's a humorous bit in your chapter about you actually going to a boxing club in a suit. Yes, 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 Paul, you devil. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. One of, uh, one of the things, dear listener, um, that the, the Paul um, used to run a, a charity uh, which was called Sporting Hearts, and it, and its in, and its intention, its raison d'etre, was to help young people, children, but typically you know elder teenagers um, who might have been born on the wrong side of the tracks to get a go, an outlet into sport, uh, which I think Paul could talk for hours about his own his own background and his own childhood in a similar way. Um, and he had a contact at a local boxing club and, you know, and we'd arranged from another one of our colleagues who was um, a fairly big cheese with the, the local YMCA um, to get a bunch of people who, you know, sleep there every night and then wander the streets doing nothing around bus shelters all day before going back to the hostel. Come and have a go at a boxing ring, you know, and that's a nice idea. And so Paul said, come along, Stephen, we'll have a meeting then, you know, a bit of a ball meeting. Uh, and I went along I, in the middle of the working day. So I had my suit on and my tie on and I turned up and within five minutes I had boxing gloves on um, and my suit, although I was allowed to take my jacket off. And Paul, who is not a very big man uh, and is older than me as well, um, started teaching me how to throw a punch. Uh, and as I said in, in, in the book, I've only ever knowingly, from memory, thrown a single punch in my entire life. And I was eight or nine years old and I split a boy's lip uh, egged on by everyone to get involved in a fight. Uh, one punch, he cried, it ended. We became best friends for years after that. Uh, and I've never thrown a punch since. And um, I realise now I was flapping around like I was trying to put a fire out with a handkerchief. Paul, you know, had a go at my gloves with his, you know, my word, he could have taken my head off. So, yeah, I, I learned about, it's about moving your shoulder or something, leading with your shoulder, getting your shoulder behind it. Anyone who's boxed, probably knows I've not quite said that right or knows what I'm talking about. I didn't have a clue. I won't be picking any more fights with Paul or anybody, though. Yeah. Good fun, yeah, but, you know, in a, in a boxing ring with boxing gloves on, in a suit, thinking I was coming to a meeting. Now, Paul does that, so, you know, again, listener, beware. You know, beware. <laughs> you, you're giving all my secret. That element of surprise, Stephen, that has served me so well over the years, has been embracing uncertainty, Paul. It's embracing uncertainty. <laughs> Touche. Touche. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so finally getting it. So, I mean, Stephen, obviously, you know, you're of a certain age where, you know, and life's, you know, you've had your fair shares of ups and downs, as you've already kind of uh, alluded to. I mean, you must have took a lot of learning out of that, um, you know, to be able to pass on. Because surely, when you know, as when we look at, you know, what is the meaning? Why are we here? Um, and that's a very big and deep question. But on an almost kind of superficial level, Stephen, I mean, we've all got, you know, we can all give big answers to that in our own way, can't we? And I'm sure, you, you know, you can as well as most. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think most people, here I go again, probably never asked the question of themselves. I think those of us who do don't like the answer because we normally can't provide one. And just to misquote back to you, Paul, I think it was Mark Twain who, who said, you know, that there are two 
important dates in anyone's life. Um, the, the, the day they're born and the day they find out why. Mm. And I've struggled thinking, you know, there must be more because I, I read too much. I read lots of history books, not just autobiographies, but historical ones about, you know, explorers and, you know, polar explorers and James Cook and military leaders and all sorts of, you know, poly, great politicians of the past and everything. And, and think, well, you know, you get one chance on this planet, depending on your religious beliefs, you get one chance. And, you know, to, to go to an office every day at nine o'clock, come home at five past five, raise 2.3 kids and drive a Ford Mondeo, there must be more to it than doing that. So I, I'd, I'd morphed my personal philosophy into a, you know, what I think everyone should do, and that is not make anything worse than you found it. At least, you know, if you're not contributing, at least don't rely on other people to have to contribute to you all the time, unless you go through a hard time. So I have very, very, and I won't go into them here, very hard conservative values, I guess. And, you know, you know, look after yourself and look after your family and make sure you can provide for yourself, except when you definitely can't. But don't get into a, a rut of constantly having to be bailed out by other people, because that prevents them from helping and bailing out the people who are incapable of helping themselves. Um, I'm now moving it on to, you know, which is part of the getting it, make a difference as well. They don't just avoid making life and the planet worse for other people, but make it better for other people in any way you can, whether it's picking litter up because you see litter in the street and put it in a bin and then realise you're supposed to wear gloves when you do it. Uh, I won't tell you what I picked up, but I should have worn gloves when I did it. Um, and, just, and just help people more. You know, it's, it's a dead easy philosophy, isn't it? It's, it's not asking a lot. Just don't make anything worse. And if possible, make things better. You know, that um, that conservatism, that sort of being the best we can be, there's, there's a saying, Stephen, and I don't know um, what your own thoughts on this, but goes along the lines of we cannot give what we do not have. I would challenge that very strongly. For most of my life, I have given stuff whether it's financial, emotional, physical, whatever it is that I didn't have. But, you know, okay, some of it was upon reflection, maybe not such a good idea. But I think that was more about my own healing, Stephen, as I look back in those early stages. And there's a great quote, and I wanted to kind of come in on it earlier on, on something that you said at the top of this conversation. And, and what you just said there kind of, reinforces it it comes from um, an American called Anne Lamott and she says lighthouses don't go searching the sea looking for ships to save they just stand there and shine and yeah. that's that's our job like isn't that. it that's I our like job that. yeah just lead by example do the right thing and if you happen to influence or inspire someone else to do the right thing or to show someone the way like a lighthouse then you've, you've done probably as much as could be asked of you. And if you're standing still, shining a light on top of your head, it isn't massive effort to do so, is it? So, you know, mm. just show other people. I mean, that's why, you know, I've enjoyed, I've only got a small business. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a businessman. I'm certainly not a successful businessman. But I, again, you know, again, following, talking to you and world game changes, I can't begin to tell you how much it's changed my whole outlook. I'm still a very angry you know, white privileged male who gets across various things all day, every day. But I've taken an apprentice on, you know, and I've not done it for four or five years because the last couple have been such hard work and fell asleep all day. 
I've taken one on and he's loving it and and and, and it's great and you know why not why doesn't every business you know it's not that expensive and you don't do it because it's cheap you don't do it because you get a grant the fact you get one worth a billy bonus or go in the Christmas pot and we'll we'll spend it on a Christmas do this year having not had one last year but you know why not help a young person as long as they want to do whatever your apprentice is in you know and too many businesses you read about take it as cheap labor and then at the end of the apprentice don't give them a job anywhere and you're thinking that's so not right is it because it must color that individual's thoughts about business and adult life in a shocking way so you know anyone listening who's got a business take an apprentice on and don't just have them making the coffee you know, teach them something, show them something. In the worst case scenario, you know, there's no, there is no worst case. The worst case scenario, though, is that you teach them enough to demonstrate they don't want to do it. You know, good. You found out an easy, nice, constructive way that you don't want to become an accountant. Fantastic. You know, before you do three years studying at university, commit yourself to it and then wish to goodness you'd not done it. Come and do an apprenticeship for 12 months, you know. And, and be treated nicely as one of the team. And I'm, I'm loving it. I've, I've, you know, I've got some of my spark back again, Paul. I've struggled mm, through yeah. the back end of, of all the COVID stuff. And, you know, it, 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 it's been hard work, you know, and doing the same thing day in, day out. But I've rediscovered my spark. And I've enough to take part in things like this and be on the board at World Game Changers and join the parish council. I've got a five o'clock meeting at the parish council tonight on top of doing all my work. And it doesn't feel like a burden. It feels like, a repurposing you know it, it's great mm. and Alison's loving it as well you know not because I'm out of the house but because well I'll, I'll tell you a quick secret <laughs> everyone else close your ears Alison has stopped smoking she's now a month and two days and hasn't had a cigarette so she's discovered um drawing and coloring in if you like she's got some of these adult coloring books and spend several hours a day she's got about four or five hundred different coloring pencils every shade and texture you can imagine and she's loving it. And if I go out to a meeting at the council for two hours, brilliant. Two more hours of colouring. It's, um, it's brought us even closer together, oddly enough, even though we're not physically in the same room. Mm. Loving it. Uh, loving everything, I, Paul. I, I get that. Um, hold that thought around creativity. I want to share with our listeners, Stephen, something I shared with you privately yesterday on, on, a, on a quick call um, about a certain conversation with a 10-year-old, if you recall. Yes, yeah, so hold that thought. But just go, just finishing off the, uh, the the bit about Alison and the shining light. Going back yet again, Stephen, to the top of the conversation. What struck me then was Alison was your lighthouse, wasn't she? She wasn't absolutely. Yeah, you know, she wasn't going out there telling you what to do, how to live your life. She was shining. She was leading by example. She was inspiring you in every sense of the word. Yeah, yeah. and. That's arguably not, and that's Wait. rubbed off, Stephen, on you with your how uh, you're speaking passionately, passionately there about the apprenticeship. Because isn't it true to say that you've now become a lighthouse for said young person? Well, yeah, I've not thought of it before. Like, I'd, I'd like to think so. Yeah, why not? You know, you know, because because I I know I will, I am doing and will make a difference to, to his life. You know, because for young people trying to get apprentices at the moment, it's not well, especially because of all the COVID nonsense and all the um, recession or, you know, it's not technically a recession, but, you know, it's they're not going to be that many out there. Uh, and, and a lot of them, regrettably, you, you know, you get an apprenticeship and I'm sorry for people listening if it, if it includes you. You know, you get an apprentice in, in, in a cafe and once you've learned how to use the coffee machine, 
um, you're just working for £4.63 or whatever it is an hour for the following 12 months. Um, again, some of the, the, the angry man inside me, you know, I, I, it's different this time because the apprentices has been done by a, a private provider, you know, through them rather than directly with the college. In the past, when I've done them, you know, I've had to fill out health and safety questionnaires. I've had to sit and work out what the top five risks are facing a 17-year-old or 18-year-old person in an accountant's office. So we normally put paper cuts in at number three and stabbing yourself with a paper clip at number four, uh, tripping over a box of paper at number two. Um, but I've, you know, and, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Lots of paperwork. And yet no one has ever asked me, what is the individual going to do? And can you show me when they come in after six months, show me what they've been doing or where's the training plan? You know, so I think they accept or, or don't care enough that most apprentices are photocopying, um, you know, or, or, or carrying stuff and unloading the shelves or or making the tea and coffee, which is um, a tragedy for young people, because that's not what it's about. Once you've mastered the idea of getting to work at nine o'clock or eight o'clock in the morning, which is a big enough challenge to be fair for 17 year olds. But once they've mastered that, they're teaching them nothing for the rest of the 12 months. And, you know, I, I find that I find that shocking. Mm. So I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. He's thrown in at the deep end. I'm spending lots of hours with him um, and teaching him stuff. And like with any apprentice, I could do it all 10 times quicker myself. Uh, but that won't be the case in six months. So it's a it's a it's a blinking good investment as well. And hopefully he'll decide to stay with us for the foreseeable future of his career. And we'll give him all the training he needs and sign him up to a level seven apprenticeship which is a brilliant thing to do because it's great for the employer and great for the employee. Um, and he, you know, hopefully he'll commit himself for the, you know, for the foreseeable future, which you know, someone that age, hopefully will be two or three years. Superb. So I just want to draw things to a close now then, Stephen, if I may, by I alluded to the, uh, the private conversation, the brief private conversation we had uh, yesterday around a certain 10 year old based in Australia the newest recruit to the World Game Changers Youth Academy. Can you yeah. remember exactly what was said, Stephen? So you could tell the story, or do you want me to tell it? Just start me off, Paul. I am sorry. I know ah, I can't remember the, all the details. Okay. Creativity. Origami. That's it. Yes. Yes. Um, and what's the, the great phrase he came out with? Um, which was remarkable for a 10-year-old. And you'll have to help me again if you've got it written down in front of you, Paul. I can't remember the exact sentence. Well, it's emblazoned in my art, Stephen. Um, so I'll finish the story off. Yeah, basically, uh, listeners, I had a chat with, as I say, the, the newest recruit to the WGC Academy, 10 years of age, an amazing young man. So, you know, I'm talking to him in a very sort of child-appropriate manner, asking him, what uh, things he likes in life. And he said, I love being kind to animals. I mean, that was beautiful. And I said, what else do you like in life? And he said, creativity. So, okay, but that comes in many sizes, shapes, forms. Give me an example. He said, I love origami. I said, wow, I've never heard that said before in the context of creativity, but I could see how it is, but why? Why? And he said, you know, it's simple. And boy, do I love that word simple. Um, probably because my mother spent years telling me that I, that's what I am. Um, but he said to me, and his words are absolutely, he said, you can take a single piece of paper 
and make it into anything you want. Now, isn't that a great metaphor for us as people, for humanity, for life? Because aren't we like a blank piece of paper that we can, you know, we can mould ourselves and we can we can write and to use Alison's crayons and colours. We can become anything that we choose to be. Yeah, and from a 10-year-old to be saying that is, um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I think we might have a future head of the academy there, Paul. Well, watch this space. But leave um, it till you get to 12, you know. <laughs> the um, So just want to finish off now then, Stephen, by inviting you into sharing your contact details where people can reach out and find out more about you and, and as well get in touch with you generally. Yeah, no, no problem at all. I, I've got... Um, Best email address, that's uh, a bit of a tricky one, Stephen with a P-H dot town, T-O-W-N-E, at Similium, which is S-E-M for mother, I-L-L-I-A-M dot co dot U-K, which I'm on regrettably 24 hours a day. Um, so, yeah, anyone's got any questions, anyone's got any thoughts, I, I, I really would welcome them. Send them through. Superb. So there we have it, listeners. Embracing uncertainty and finally getting it, courtesy yeah. of my great personal friend, Stephen Town. Stephen, thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. A pleasure. And this is very certain, listeners, because you've heard me say this. Well, this is episode 404, so you've, you've heard me say it at least 403 previous times. And it's this. Remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond? <laughs>